Talk Roundtable. Real life, real laughs, real talk. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. Uh, look, I want to just introduce this show as one that's like a, a real, real talk roundtable because I want to talk about our reputations and our, our identity. And everybody here can bring something different to this conversation. I'm looking at Jeffrey right now because he's scaring me. Um, but, <laughs> but look, I think our own identity that we have in ourselves and how we identify with ourselves um, doesn't always marry up with our reputation, with how other people perceive us and how other people treat us. And so I kind of want to go around the room and just talk about that. So, Jeffrey, as a single gay fat dad, how do you feel? <laughs> as a single gay fat dad, uh, it's rather interesting. Um, you know, I did foster care. I didn't actually know Kate was going to be on. She was one of my foster daughters uh, for about three years. Uh, you know, and I've always had a very fucked up sense of humor. And one of my longstanding jokes was out oh, nothing but cocaine and x lax, you know, uh, until I can lose some weight because my weight's always bounced around a lot. But always said, you know, I was a gay Kirstie Alley. And then after I split with Joe, I dropped about 100 pounds in two and a half months. And then all of a sudden, the cocaine um, accusations started flying all around. Oh, lovely. Right. But was it my own fault because I always made that joke, right? You know, and I'd go to things and they're like, oh, you know, how do you handle kids? I'm like, you know, you drink a gallon jug of wine. It was my personality. I always talked about those things, you know, daycare parents. They're like, oh, how do you handle kids? I'm like, you drink wine. You don't throw them in the bathtub. See if they can swim. It's kind of always my personality, a smart-ass answer, you know? And I know. You, you always give it that Sophia Golden Girls kind right. of little snap back. But... In seriousness, how do you feel as somebody, as a gay man, that's adopted three boys from from the from the county? How do you feel people treat you? Like, do they? Is it in the in the beginning? It was fine. It was fine. It wasn't until after the marriage fell apart, I fell apart, um, and things kind of went sideways. Uh, the people were very unforgiving yeah. and it was very difficult. And then it was like, mm, you're a pariah and it was time to go. I couldn't wait to get out of Dodge and kind of get away because it was like, you, you know, you're a train wreck. You're, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, let's, let's, let's help this dude. Let's lift him up and kind of, you know, help him get back together. It was like, Oh, you're a fucking train wreck. It didn't matter what I did or didn't do or what was true and what wasn't true. It was, you know, oh, your husband left. You, your stores are gone. You, you know, you're a mess. And it was, um, it was pretty difficult to get through. You know, it was looking at, you know, the neighbor calling CPS, making false accusations, my family not helping the case. Well, that's where um, I wanted to go. Like, like, why would yeah. even people do that? Is it because you're a gay dad? Right. Well, I was a gay dad with three kids, and then I had um, two black foster sons who were outside, you know, they'd be listening to rap music and the lady across the street was not a fan of that. Caitlin, you remember? And Kelly was around. Um, and she didn't like it. And 
Finally, after she had called CPS, the kids got ripped out of the house twice, which didn't help the kids any. You know, they'd had enough of their own issues, and Gabe was a baby. Uh, I went over and tried to talk to her and said, you know, I'm human. You could have came over and talked to me. Like, I'm a pretty nice person, you know? And she was like, you have too many kids over there. And I'm like, you don't know me. I'm like, I've run a daycare my whole adult life. This is what I've done, you know? And she wasn't going to hear nothing. She just was very set in her way. She was very upset. She brought up the blacks, or I think she called them the coloreds, because it was very, like, you know, borderline racist. It was very obvious what her issue was. She didn't like the fact that I was gay. Um, But she never had a problem when, before we had kids, us and all the gays would be on the porch till four in the morning partying. And we had a lot of big parties at the house, large house. She never had an issue then. It wasn't until the black kids were there that there was a problem. So it was a very difficult thing for me because I've, I felt that I was very blessed and lucky. You know, I didn't feel like anybody had an issue when I came out. And if they did, I didn't notice or just didn't care. Um, You know, I was lucky in business. I I was a gay man that did daycare in a time where it was kind of taboo. I remember being uncomfortable and there was moments, but it wasn't anything that was ever such a huge deal. Um, But it was scary. But it was it was rough, you know, like, I mean, that really changed everything for me. And I couldn't wait to get the hell out of where I was from after that. You know, it changed everything. I wasn't comfortable there anymore. I wasn't I didn't feel safe in my own home anymore. I didn't feel like a home. Which is shit. Yeah, it was very it was very traumatic. Um, I, I had to do a lot of therapy. It changed who I was. Now, Miss Bonnie. Hi. I need to blow you up on the screen. I want to know how you have dealt with. So, you have a reputation, girl. You do. Uh, (laughs) You're very. Probably true. (laughs) You're very well known. (laughs) But how does that, like your identity? Because I know you from when we were little, right? So I, I, I sort of know you outside of the, the image of of the performer, but how do you find that those two identities interact and how do they clash? How do people treat you? Well, I've, I've tried to um, change my identity a little bit because, you know what I mean? Like I figured you just can't change who you are. So I wanted to roll with marketing things about me that are different to other women. So that's why like, I always market the sexy bogan thing. Yeah. So like, because you know what I'm like. I'm rough as guts. I mean, I'll look, I'll look nice, dress up, whatever. But, um, but yeah, so I, I really I like to advertise the whole sexy bogan, you know, thing in advance. Well, just Bonnie, so I think in, in a different world, you and I would have been married. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That'd be the best. I we mean, I'm probably a mug. We still probably can. Let's probably talk about well, that off air. Well, yeah, you guys sure. are from a smaller place, right? A smaller area. Yes. Yeah, but this, this is why um, it's nice to talk about identity and stuff like that because um, what's happened now is, like, I've been the main stripper living and working permanently in the adult industry here here in Rockhampton, Central Queensland, for all about 20 years. And yep. um, everyone, like, everyone thinks they know me. Everyone has a story to tell, of, you know, something that happened at a Bucks right. party or you know, and some things are probably fairly well true, but a lot of people blow stuff out of proportion. Of um, course. And so it's kind of challenging because just 
you get pigeonholed for things. Like I even cried the other night because some girl and a guy are messaging me asking me if I fucked their brother's um, their brother or something and where was I hiding him and this woman's like, have you fucked my husband? Where is he? And I'm thinking, who are these people? Do you know what I mean? I don't even know. And yeah. worked out that I'd met this dude. that because yeah. you're an adult entertainer, that, that would be completely you're within the, your character. The, the oh, town slot. Or something once and they saw a message of him going, hey, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? It just seems uh, so stupid. But that sort of shit happens all the time, you know? So yeah. was it hard for you when you first started in a small area? Were people cruel? Oh, no. Well, see, I don't really care what people think. Um, but, yeah, people are <laughs> pretty horrible. That. When I moved out of my last house, I sort of it was, a, it was good because um, people used to yell at me and throw stuff at me and shit when they were driving past if I was getting my groceries out and stuff like that. So now I live in a quieter street. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, I figured yeah, because I was like the little Catholic boy that taught religion, and then when I came out, I I went wore glitter, wore heels everywhere, and everybody was like, "Whoa, what happened to Jeffrey?" You know, like the, he went from like little altar server to like drag queen. It was a little much for everybody. Well, I Miss Kate, it. I want to talk to you now about so like you you completely <laughs> guide me through this conversation, but you you're a child that grew up in the foster system. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. how was that for you? And and how did people treat you? And how did how do you see yourself? Okay, well, why don't you talk about how old were you when you went into foster care? When I first went into the system, I was thirteen. Yep. Um, a lot of fleet raw things led me to that. Um, I just had a lot going on. My family really wasn't taking care of me the way they should have been. Yeah. So as much as it was hard, and I missed my family. It was probably better for me not to be with them. They yeah. obviously couldn't give me the things that I needed. And, the, you know, foster care kind of did as much as it sucked. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you had mental health issues that weren't being addressed. And two, exactly. mental health for kids is, is not great. It's hard to even diagnose children, though, because yeah. it could be yeah. a whole bunch of things. They can grow out of it. And that's kind of where it was really hard for me because they were putting me on all these meds and I kind of just became like, Oh, she's the crazy girl. Oh, she yeah. takes pills. So there's something wrong with her. And you know, as I got older, it just made me really angry. Mm -hmm. And I just ended up being really angry all the time. It was and a so battle I, I, to get you diagnosed. It was, it, it, it was. And I finally got diagnosed when I was 19, which I mean, Jeff already figured that's what I had. <laughs> Cause I'm exactly like him. Just He's diagnosed ironic. me too, bubs. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I ended up having the uh, borderline personality diagnosis, which, you know, has been a struggle itself, you know, to try to navigate that and relationships, you know, both romantic and friendships, you know, it, it your relationships can be really hard. Yeah. So as an and adult Kate, having, I think though, like for you to be in that circumstance though too, where you didn't have that grounding at an early age, it's not unexpected that you've got some shit going on, right? Exactly. But, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Well, borderline and, personality disorder is a lot of it's trauma based. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's why when the guy who diagnosed me wasn't shocked that I had it because I've got I've got a lot of trauma and a lot of it was unresolved at the time. But you know, you got to put that work into therapy. You got to work through that, and you know, not let that that be the reason 
you're not a strong person. Bubs. Right, Miss Brookie. I want to talk to you. To me? Yes, to, to me. you, Bubs. Look, I know that you do some paranormal investigations <laughs> and you've got a few kids and, and you're a mum, but I'm a can mom, you tell I'm us about... Mom. Can you tell us about who you really are, your identity? My identity. Um, I've I've definitely always, always been the black sheep, the problem child. Um, You know, no no one ever quite understood me or got me. I mean, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of drinking. My parents drank um, and there was uh, abuse and things and uh, not in a system where, you know, there was anything that could really be done about it. I mean, quite frankly, my parents did the best they could with what they had. They suffered trauma very early and dealt with yep. it by drinking. But um, to be as different as I am... Were they before, were they good to you? Not always, no. Um, there were police called. There were court trips. There were, you know, it was... I was not brought up. I was dragged up. But as I said, now, um, having done a lot of work on myself, self personally and exploring a lot of my demons I know that they did the best that they could with what they had because they did suffer the loss of a child which I don't think any parent should have to suffer um but they kind of took it out on the rest of us if that makes sense so um, it wasn't an easy way to grow up it wasn't an easy way to figure out who I was and um you know, like, as I said, my my mum, I, I love her dearly. I, um, like, I was in the room when my mum took her last breath and I would do that a million times over because that's the woman that brought me into this world, you know. And, um, but not every situation is an easy situation. So, right. you know. Well, Brooke, I think it's interesting. When I first uh, started talking to you, you described yourself as black glitter. <laughs> I am black glitter though because I am um, do you know what I, I have always been very different to everyone around me. I um have always been that what is it, the square peg in a round hole? Like mm. I don't I don't fit. I don't <laughs> I'm I'm weird and I'm strange and I'm quirky and I I just it's not until I, I would say the last three or four years that I actually discovered who I was and I um you know, I have two kids who are additional needs. I have two stepkids. I have one divorce under my belt and always on the lookout for the, ne- you know, next upgrade. But um, <laughs> for right now, I like him. But I am black glitter. I am different. I am very transparent. I don't tolerate bullshit. I fucking hate lies. I can't deal with it. Um, I don't like excuses. I accept, you know, my wrongdoing and I accept people's wrongdoings. But, um I feel like if everyone was a little more transparent and a little more blunt, the world would run better. And people should keep their fucking opinions to themselves. I think you fit in with us just fine, darling. <laughs> and I'm happy Ms. to be Kelly, I need no. to know. So you're yeah. you're a mother. I know you've got two kids. And I want to know about just your identity, your reputation, like how everything interacts with each other. So- I'm kind of the opposite of everyone. So um, Brooke feels like the black sheep. So I, I'm kind of the opposite. I am black sheep, but no one sees me that way. Everyone sees me as the altogether person, 
the one who has all the answers. So, I mm -hmm. mean, Jeffrey's probably the best testimony. Caitlin can contribute to that as well. I'm the person everyone else comes to with their problems because I'm going to help them sort them out. But when you're that person who on the outside looks like they have it all together, people assume you have no worries and no troubles. So I know it sounds very muggle and very boring, like, oh, poor successful woman who has no outward problems. But the, the reality is I have all the same problems everyone else does. Right, Jeffrey? Um, no, I have all the same problems everyone else does, but because I'm that person that I'm a very empathic person, you know, Luke, we met for five yeah. minutes and I, t you know, tuned in on what your issues were. Right. So yeah. people are drawn and I'm not even going to kid like she, she actually fixed my shoulder. Like I didn't even know what the hell was going on with my shoulder and Kelly fixed it within like 15 minutes. But that's, so I, that's, that is the, that's like the perfect example of who I am. People are drawn to me because they feel safe and secure in bringing their troubles to me because they know I can shoulder them and I can guide them and give good advice, but um, which I love doing because that's who I am. But at the same time, you know, that is my identity. Kelly's the person who is going to be the shoulder to cry on, the person who's going to help you through your problems. But they also falsely assume that I'm super strong and that I can just get through all of my own life stuff without any support and i don't know jeffrey can you add to that because i know i'm talking a little obtusely well no i think for people yeah that don't know you as well as i do i think that it, it's definitely easy to for you to come off that way um and i, I think yeah, you're kind of like a stepford wife yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right, and I but think not. you have to be yeah, because you're like the it. woman in a high power job you have the kids you, you know what i mean you have the life and you 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 have to be right like when you have a good job and you you have to be that person that has to look put together so then behind closed doors that's when you can you know like kelly and i'll have the conversations you know where she's like oh my god <laughs> what am i doing like this is so difficult or everybody's coming to her to kind of figure things out or i'm calling her talking about my problems and then we'll kind of go into what kelly's going through and we kind of go back and forth and in it's always very difficult for her because even when she's talking about her stuff, I'll kind of go into what the fuck I'm going through. And she's kind of still like balancing her shit with my shit. And it's always about somebody else. It's never just about her. No. Yeah. So Luke, um, I, I'm this weird kind of lonely person, really, even like in, yeah. in the work environment, everyone looks to me as having the answers yeah. and the solutions and never as the one who's vulnerable or who needs support. So people don't come to me offering support they come to me looking for solutions um yeah. and and it's strange you know because and i enjoy helping other people but at the same time i'm never really seen for who i am i'm seen for the person who can fix other people's problems and not for the person who actually needs support yeah and it's Which, interesting because nothing oh. go ahead well, well you're, you're right jeff you go when i met kelly like that was kind of the role I was in with my friend group. I was the one they all called to fix everything. And I finally cracked and yeah. it was very and freeing. I think it's been my role for a long time too. And you know what? No one respects you for it. At the end of the day, you do all this shit, keeping all these people together. And then as soon as anything blows up that you're, you're the first one out anyway. Well, I think the people that really genuinely love you, 
and appreciate you, don't give up. They don't walk away from you, right? Like they know your story. They know who you are. They appreciate you. Like, um, for instance, like th- there's a couple of people in my life that are going through some things that, you know, when somebody calls you or Luke, even you, you know, or Caitlin, um, you know, I, I feel like you have to read the room, right? So if somebody calls you and they're in a place and you know, like they're not in a situation where they can hear what they need to hear, you know, like they kind of just need comfort in that moment. So you give them the comfort and then maybe the next day or the day later, that's when you kind of tell them what they need to hear, what the, the, the facts are of the situation. Right. You know what I mean? Like in that moment, you just need to give them comfort. Sometimes you don't need the harsh truth. You just need comfort, you know? And I feel like there's not a lot of people that know how to do that balance. And Kelly's really great at that. You know, like that's one of her superpowers is she's really good at knowing when to give comfort and knowing when to give that brutal, honest truth, which is a really great, I think, friend power to have. So the yeah, other Bonnie. person on this call. Oh, um, oh I, just want to, I, I want to talk to Bonnie you. really quickly. Yeah. Now, Bonnie, with being in a small town, like we've already touched on this, being in a small town and you've already talked about like how people treat you. How was it though, when you were developing your career here and, you know, promoting yourself and then dealing with the, the, I guess the backlash is what I want to say of the people that knew you before. Like, you know, you're promoting this image, you're promoting your business, you know, like whether it's mowing lawns, it's it's stripping on a table. <laughs> like you know, when we were growing up, it's not like we had like you know a whole heap of friends that really gave a fuck. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, I was always nice to people beforehand. I'm still nice now to people, so that's all that matters to me. And um, yeah. I mean, but to, but to be honest, the hardest thing's been drinking. Like um, I've been an alcoholic for 20 years, and it's taken four years to be two years sober. And then you really find out who your friends are when you don't drink anymore. You know. Yeah. Well, and do you think you were too, Bonnie, giving up alcohol because and doing a job? I think it wasn't. You're in a workplace where it's encouraged, right? Well, I'm basically I've been a professional drunk for 20 years. You know what I mean? So, like, I that was my job. I was getting paid to drink with people, really. Um, And when even when I was wasn't sort of working at the club um, as much, and I was doing um, started doing all my online stuff. I could be drunk in the daytime. It was fabulous, you know. Um, and it was easy and it was fun. And then I did a huge part of my identity had come, you know, around that because, you know, it would be like, hey, yeah, let's see all your drunk boys come on down, you know what I mean? Or if I'm not at the club or anything, it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, halfway through a bottle of wine, let's party. And the guys would watch and they'd follow my adventures. So I've had to, like, really just, it was a bit of a shock to the system to, go, oh, hold on, now what do people do when they don't drink? You know what I mean? I've never even been camping as an adult. I don't know. Like, dudes always say they want to invite you camping or whatever, but it never, ever seems to eventuate. I don't know whether it's because I work Friday and Saturday nights normally or whether it's just because dudes don't want to take the local strip of camping with their friends. I don't know. (laughs) Have you read uh, Quit Like a Woman? Have I what, sorry? Read Quit Like a Woman. No. It's a fantastic book all about like 
like how this this woman found like drinking is so embedded in our our just our daily life, right? In order to have fun, we have to drink. You know, and how you were talking about like you're getting paid to drink, and I worked at a nightclub, right? And these got people are paying to drink, you know, and that's like, how much fun is that? We're we're getting paid. They're buying us drinks. How awesome! Like getting paid during the day. Do you have do you do you do OnlyFans too? Uh well, um, my friend created a platform for me called Exclusive Life. So, um, oh, my main thing. My main thing for me, really, um, I enjoy the Snapchat premium because it's more of a live sort of thing and it's a different sort of um, way that um, your fans can interact with you. So what that means is while I'm at the pub, I can be snapping guys, you know, hey, guys, down at the pub, who yeah. wants to come down for shots, shots, you know, or like whatever, I'll be dancing to my favourite song, you know, doing close-ups of my boobs or something. Um, and guys are just like, fuck, yeah, this girl's so awesome. She's just so real, so happy, so fucking Aussie. You know, like so bogan, but sexy as bogan, you know. So, yeah. like, I was able to, you know, use that to my advantage, even though it was, a lot of the fun I was having was alcohol based. It still doesn't really change who I am. I'm pretty decent fun anyway, but right. it's just, it's different. It's hard to explain. It's like you, it's like you, your whole world changes when yeah. all of a sudden you can't even have a drink. Not even one, I can't have. Right. Do you, in the beginning, was the alcohol, did that make it easier for you? Because I just being in a club for me, like being on stage doing drag, like I needed to have that drink in order to get on stage. I, I never ever considered it as needing it, do you know what I mean? It was just alcohol was already such a huge part of our lives. So like yeah. for me, you know, I'd been drinking since I was 16, but actually 17 months. Um, uh, you know, um, so, so, you know, like, because I was just an awkward, like, tomboy that couldn't even walk in a straight line when I was young. I used to do musical theatre and I was terrible. My best friend <laughs> when I was growing up was one of the biggest musical theatre artists in Europe, you know what I mean? And yeah. um, we used to watch a musical theatre about, you know, Gypsy, Rose Lee and uh, Cabaret and, you know, coming of age into the um, burlesque industry and stuff. So I turned 18 and... Um, Went straight down to the titty bar, got drunk, got my tits out, woo, you know, and then um, everyone yelled and screamed and I thought, and they're like, wow, awesome boobs. I didn't actually know I had boobs because I'd been paid out for like the last five years in high school for being flat chested. <laughs> so oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I never ever do that to Bobby. <laughs> oh, no, you're amazing, Luke. You're amazing. I was a nice boy. But it's complicated, you know what I mean? You, you, we do have such a drinking culture in, it, um, in Australia yeah. and it does take up so much of your identity. I, I will agree too, with Bonnie on sure. that. I'll agree. It's um, in Australia, drinking is like everything. Like I know that all of my friends, when I was like, you know, I say very much younger, nearly 40, um, were all about going to clubs and drinking and shit. And whereas I grew up in a home that had a lot of alcohol involved, I don't often drink personally. So, you know, um, growing up around it, it made me not want to do it. But, um, I mean... All of my friends, all of my friends, most of my family um, drink. So, you know, it's the weirdest situation to be in. I can see Bonnie's side of it. And to be on kind of like the other side of it is so weird. It's, and it's, you know, it's, it's such weird. a cycle too, though, isn't it, Brooke? Like Looking yeah. alcohol is something that, like, I remember as a kid because I grew up in a family that there was a lot of alcohol as well. Um where it would make me very anxious because I knew when people were drinking. So it yeah. would be a big anxiety thing. Yeah. And then, you know, now that I'm an adult, 
I will use alcohol to medicate my own anxiety. And I'm like, this is not cool. It's a complete fucking cycle. Like, it just creates more anxiety. Well, I was going to say, so in my experience, um, and as I said, some of the work that I've done for myself, you know, personally, um, there's a theory that uh, the children of alcoholics either become alcoholics themselves or don't drink at all. And you kind of choose a path. So, you know, I I chose my path where I occasionally drink. I'm sure you guys are going to see that in the US <laughs> when we are there. But, you know, I um, I'll Look, always Drinking have... is fun, though. This is the thing. It, yeah, but it's not necessarily fun. always a choice. You, it, yeah. I, I, I can't ever see it as ever really being a choice. It was just what you did. You didn't, yeah. for me... Do you know what I mean? Like we drank to celebrate. We drank when we were happy. We drank when we were sad. Funerals, birthdays, um, you know, Easter, Christmas. So you know what I mean? Like all these things, they just all join together. It's it's yeah. it's just what you did. And then all of a sudden to go, um, I'm turning into a fat stripper because I've drank for 20 years and I need to quit <laughs> drinking um, uh, and actually try to stop. It just, it's it's mind-blowing. But so I actually, you come from a family that drank a lot? Did you see a lot of drinking oh, yeah. as the kid? Yeah, 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 for sure. Mum and dad, they enjoyed a beer. Mum, mum, mum throws a better party than me still. Does your mum does she anyway. show up naked though, Bonnie? Come on. No, but um I do uh, have a few interesting stories. It's quite funny, but yeah. No, is but no, it's, it's still here. The family, you know, it just is what it is. And even though sometimes it wasn't the best, you know what I mean, you still I'm really lucky I got away with being loved all the time, even though sometimes alcohol was an issue for a lot of things, you know, and especially when you're not well off, you know, we were probably living on the poverty line. Yeah. That affects things too, do you know what I mean? And it's and it's oh, easy for, sure. for me, $5 for a bottle of wine, that's the cheapest escapism you can buy. Yeah, and this is the problem too. I think people don't really ever look at, um, you know, people are very quick to throw dust and like, oh, that person's an alcoholic, that person's this, that's that. But, you know, the reality is what led that person to that point? And, you know, and it's usually because of, like, nature and nurture, you know? It's what you were brought up with. That's what you know. And, then and it's a bit you, loop. Do you know what I mean? It turns into a habit. You just, it's... Absolutely. It's- yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it becomes like it's not just habitual; it becomes an addiction. So people Luke, are I completely jump, addicted. I want to jump in for a second. So my yeah. history with alcohol um, has more to do with kind of you know like I mentioned before. So Kelly, successful person, but my early start was in politics, and in order to kind of rub shoulders with all of these successful people, you had to keep up with them, and that meant you went to all the, you know, like black and white dinners and you had all the the fancy stuff going on, but you had to keep up drink for drink, you know? So at a very early age to be able to fit in and socialize and be part of the club, you know. Is that a lot of stress though, to even deal with those kind of people and like be in that environment where. No, it is. And to be accepted and to be seen, really to be seen, right? You know, um, and you just kind of had to do it. You you didn't stop and think about like what is this doing to me? What does this mean? Any of that? You just did it because that's what everyone is doing. And if you want to yep. be part of the 
group, part of the club, you know, you just do it. It isn't yeah. until years later that you have the benefit of looking in the rearview mirror and going, oh man, that, you know, that was not a healthy way to go about things, but what was the alternative, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, like Bonnie said about being in the club, like you didn't think about why am I drinking alcohol? Well, you're doing it because everyone's doing it. And that's, you know, that's the cultural norm. We're not thinking about yeah. what this is going to mean for us 10, 15, 20 years later. Yeah, you and it's a, it's a complete coping mechanism. Like, so Kate, um, I want to talk to you very quickly. How yeah. did you deal with, so I, I think this show's sort of gone more into talking about trauma and we've <laughs> all had some trauma. That's not right. How I think it's turned into deal? a great show, Luke. Yeah, I know. It's just it's taken a life amazing. of its own. I think it's a great <laughs> thing. Yeah, it went it went somewhere else. But how did you deal with your trauma, bub? Um, and you know, like I gave you that side pony, so I will I will <laughs> apologize for that. <laughs> it's definitely um, for most of my life. This is I don't know. If this is like okay to say, but for most of my life, I had a lot of issues with self harm. Um, yeah, you can say whatever you're comfortable saying, Kate. Two years ago, I, um, two years ago, I ended up with an eating disorder, um, and it got really, really bad, where I wasn't eating at all. Um, and then after my ex and I broke up, I started drinking a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't really drink anymore for certain reasons that I'm not really going to get into. Um, yeah. I started. Did your parents really, drink when you were little? Did you see a lot my of drinking? My mom, no, but my dad, when he, when, when my dad was really mad, yeah, but really it wasn't like something that we saw all the time. So, yeah, because I, you dad, did not like when you saw any of us drinking when you were in foster care, um, you I would did, get really I, uncomfortable. That was Thanks, drinking. Luke. <laughs> we, knew, we knew where that was going. We knew that one of us was going to yeah. get smacked or it always seemed like a trigger well. for you. Yeah. That shit. Yeah, no. Like, you know, so he would get aggressive when he drank. Yeah. And that's usually why, like, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I'm around a lot of people now that don't do that when they get drunk. Like my ex was definitely one of those people when he got drunk, he was beating the shit out of me. So I think now it's, I'm with a different group of people, different relationship, different friends where it's fun. It's safe. It's like, it's, it's a different vibe, you know? All the yeah. Time. When you were older, you definitely were. But do you think. Though, if we have certain attachment styles that it, it causes problems for us later in life, like you know, as we grow up, I would, I would agree with that. I think my last relationship that I was in is definitely a very like. It definitely just reflects a lot of the things I went through as a kid, and I knew wasn't okay, but I stayed anyway. Yeah, you know, and then yeah. you know his new girlfriend, he does the same exact stuff to her. And you know, I'm like, honestly, I'm us. glad that I'm not, I'm not, I'm glad I'm not a part of that. I'm glad I'm not in it. I'm glad that it's not happening to me. I'm glad that my life is, my life didn't start getting better until he was gone. I didn't have this new job. I didn't have all of these things that I have when he was here. You know, yeah. I didn't feel like I could be who I really am. Like I couldn't have fun. I couldn't drink socially. I couldn't really do anything because it made him mad. Yeah, I just feel like that just kind of just you know it's kind of like my dad in that way. Like we really couldn't have fun. Your we couldn't life. laugh. 
Yeah. And I just think that I made, you know, I need to make better choices when it comes to that. Yeah, but you bonds. don't really choose who you love. Do you know what I mean? Love is very complicated. And um, it, especially if you have an addictive personality or if you already have, um, you know, habits and addictions, um, like love is basically, it affects the same processes in your mind and the chemicals that um, happen when you take drugs. So that's why when you take drugs with other people that you feel that love and connection, you're like, oh, wow, you know. So when you meet somebody and you get that spark and you kind of feel all that lovey-dovey shit, that's just because all these chemicals in your brain are like tricking you. So even if something's bad and it's never going to work, you know what I mean, sometimes you can't not, you know what I mean, and you can't not fall for, for that love. And even just getting used to being around somebody and hugging them and kissing them, every time you, you're getting the, that oxycotton and tocotocin shit and the dopamine and everything from kissing them, if you don't get that all of a sudden after having it for a little while, it sucks, sucks life out of you, man. It's draining. From experience, I know this. I was going to say, how have you been with, like, dating men and working in your industry, have they, have men been problematic? That's how I'll put it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's extremely complicated, Luke. Do you know what I mean? Like I've gone from dating men that, um, you know, uh, I, to the point where I'm their first girlfriend, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're beautiful souls, but it just never, it just didn't work or whatever. They needed to find their own path to like, you know, like, well, in regards to alcohol, I used to be raped by my boyfriend, you know what I mean? Like, because he would just, it was easier to just cry and let him fuck me than have to explain why I didn't feel well enough to have sex with him. Um, so do, do you know what I mean? Like, and because I'm a stripper and I, I was 10 minutes late home from work, you know what I mean? Um, of course, you know, I must have been fucking somebody in the back room or something like that. And, you know, having to explain yourself and be emotionally abused, like just over and over about it, it's, it's complicated. I was going like, to say, do, do you feel that, like, because because you're a stripper, do you feel like that completely controls how people view you as a human sometimes, being? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. definitely. Like that that boyfriend, it was definitely an issue. But, like, I've had boyfriends that don't care, you know. It's not even a thing, you know. Yeah. But it still does. Which it shouldn't be. But Men no one wants to. Who wants to marry me? There's like I'm. It's hard enough to get a date, to be honest. Like, and I have a feeling that it's starting to look like because of my work. You know, like uh, yeah. it's complicated. And it's like it's like hi, nice to meet you. My vagina's on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't already know, half the people on Tinder, you know, if you're going through Tinder or stuff like that, they've already seen your vagina, and that's why they're swiping on you because they want to try and trophy fuck you. Well, you know, we just did a show about a lady that had two vaginas and somebody wrote a fancy article that said she keeps one for work and one for her private life. So she keeps her, you know, work life and uh, dating life separate. I thought that was quite handy. It's not cute, Jeff. It's not cute. <laughs> it's cute. You just now, Jeffrey, get a second I want one. to talk to you about your relationship with your family. What about what is going on there? Yeah, no, I don't, because I don't you, have a relationship vocal, with my family. But why is that? You've uh, been very because vocal. they're toxic. Yeah. Let me jump in, Jeffrey. So, and Luke, you probably had something else you wanted to ask everyone, but I think Jeffrey just spotlighted a very important question that we all need to look at is, which is, 
we all have memories from childhood and there was a certain point where reality became front and center because we learned things or we were told things we weren't supposed to know, right? And so I guess my question to everyone in general is, are we better off in the idyllic state of not knowing, you know, when fairies are still real and the uh, pretend magic is all there? You know, like at what point do we benefit as humans from sorting out real trauma that we all deal with versus not being told the ugly truth. You know, Jeffrey, what would your childhood have been like if you never learned? Right. But there, at some point, you know, and I, I know a lot of us, it depends on kind of when you grew up, like what era did you grow up in? If you grew up in the fifties, right. None of this was ever spoken of at some point right, you decided yeah. to start talking about things. It's, it's really what I'm yeah. getting at here. You know what I mean? Like, for so long, there was this important line between things you discussed in front of children and things you didn't, right? right? Like, when do you decide that a child is old enough to know or they should know the ugly truth? Like, does it help me to understand my story better when I know all of the trauma and baggage and things? Because there's a lot of it in my this family. This is another problem, like, though, I think, with being a parent, too, is that yeah. sometimes we say things in front of children that we shouldn't. Yeah. And I've done it so many times, and I know, because then I hear it parroted back from a little girl. But it really is a whole other show. I mean, seriously, yeah. about, yeah. like, oh, for sure. at, how old were you when, you when you learned a thing, the thing that changed your childhood, the thing that yeah. switched it from the idyllic and perfect to, oh, shit, this is real. You know what I mean? I think we all have those moments. And Jeff, does that do you feel like that now as an adult that things like that have um, uh, helped build your identity now is what you see it? Oh, for sure, because that definitely defined me in becoming the problem solver, right? Like in high school, we the you know it was a tiny high school, eighteen kids. People would come and knock on the door in math class and be like, "Yo, can I talk to Jeff in the bathroom?" And they would let me go so the dude could talk to me about his girl problems. You know what I mean? Like I was the, the therapist that everybody would come to because as a 10 year old, I was solving marital issues for my aunt and uncle. Like it wasn't normal shit that I was dealing with. You know what I mean? And two of the neighbors I'm going and they're telling me about their sex lives and their problems. It wasn't, um, it got to a point where it wasn't normal. And it was like, for me now as an adult looking at my child, that's 10, I'd be in prison because I'd be mowing people down with my fucking car if they involved my child in the shit. You know what I mean? But for me, I'm like, well, it was, you know, it made me who I am. It's okay. You know, it's, it's very weird. You know what I mean? Like I have a different perspective of it for me and what it did for me versus if somebody were to do that to my child or even to Kelly's child that I've known since pretty much birth. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a very weird thing. Right, like I quickly want to go around the, the room now. Go ahead. Oh, look, I just want to ask, like, how do you feel that your identity and your reputation have interacted with each other? And like, how do you feel like people treat you? Starting with Jeffrey. Gay dad. Fat gay dad. I don't <laughs> care. You know what I mean? I don't really pay attention anymore, honestly. Like, I don't I'm in the middle of nowhere in the woods with COVID. I think people get pissed because they don't like that I left and New York was mad. I Fuck you. You don't like it? Tough shit. Brookie? I'm a little bit the same. I am genuinely at a point in my life where I'm happy and I don't give a fuck what people think. Um, and I feel like people definitely 
see me the way I see myself because that's what I project now. If you don't like it, you can fuck off, really, genuinely. Bonds? Yeah, I, for, for me personally, I don't give a fuck either because my main concern <laughs> is just everybody being as kind as I can be to anyone that I meet. And so for me, kindness, gratitude and just feeling blessed because I am very lucky in so many ways and, you know, like I understand that so many people don't have the luxuries of even just simple things like food and, and a home and things like that now. So from a base level, I just generally wake up every day blessed. So anything better than waking up for me really is good. And if I have the choices and the options that I have with my um, work and that, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky. So uh, if I'm down the shops looking all pretty, people are nicer to me. If I'm down the shops, you know, wearing a flanny and, um, you know, my Crocs or something, people don't even look at you half the time, you know. So it's, it's catch-22 here. It doesn't really worry me anymore. Bonnie, I think we'll, you and I will get married soon, but we'll we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> Kelly, how has your reputation impacted your life? Um, well, I, like I kind of alluded to earlier, people are drawn to me because they see me as someone who's together and can problem solve, but I'm also very empathic and a very positive person, and I quickly weed, weed out negative energy, so... I am totally fine with who I am, and um, and I, and I know immediately if you're my person or not. So, yep. you know, I'm a, I don't really I'm ha I'm past the point of caring what someone in seventh grade might have thought of me. Really, I don't care anymore. You know, I am who I am, and if we have a thing and we gel, great. If we don't, that's okay too. There's no judgment around that. I'm over it. And Miss Kate. I guess I used to care. Feel? I guess I used to care about what people thought. Like that used to be like my biggest thing is like I always used to, mm -hmm. well, what is this person going to think? Or I have to impress mm -hmm. this person. And now I'm just like, I don't give a shit. You either like me and we vibe together or we don't. And it's, it is what it is. Yeah. And Katie, did you like it the day that we went to that diner? And we yeah. <laughs> that, I think See, you that's... were somebody that I really did click with right away. There you go. I, mean, like, I think there's, I mean, I just, there's some people that I just click with right away and some people, it takes me a while to get used to you. And, and I hope good. I'm pretty real. Like, I hope I, I, oh, yeah, ever... you definitely, yeah. You definitely like, when that don't... bitch started screaming at me, no more ice pops. I was like, uh, you can fuck off, bitch. Caitlin, so... who, who from my world did you hate? Right away. Can, can you yeah, pick somebody on. like off the top of your head? Was there somebody that like came into our house that you were like, fuck that bitch? And hopefully she's not on this call. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, I like everybody. I mean, I don't know two of them, but I know Kelly and uh, Luke. Kelly, and I, I know if I asked you, I could think of two people right off the top of my head that Kelly would be like, ham and ham. Mm hmm. I think. Although, like, but what about I... you, Luke? What about what you? What about me? What about you? You answer the question too. Oh, yeah, I should really answer the question. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm going to blame myself up. Look, I've had a lot of issues with dealing with being a gay dad, a single gay dad, a kid, uh, a dad that's had a kid through surrogacy. And I live in a regional town, so I feel like I'm very judged. And I am. It's not even like a thing that I need to joke about. It's something that people look at me, and they talk about me. And I know they do. So, Luke, 
um, we didn't talk to my mom tonight who was on earlier and her and I have had this conversation. I'm like, how do we fix these prejudices? And she's like, you really, like her blunt truth was my generation needs to just die and be gone. So that Buffy and Anna and Branson can, can like share their love with the world and, and set that as yeah. the new model, you know? And yeah, she's got enough sass to get get over it and get through it, Luke. She'll probably be rural in this town by the time we're all if she's old. I was, I was going oh, to I say kids are, um, <laughs> kids are very very resilient, Luke, because I know I've seen it with my Jaden, who's headed into high school, and he's um oh yuck um sorry <laughs> uh, you just had a little moment there, Bubs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway, but bitch, I was raising this one. 24. <laughs> but he he's the kid that's like, you know, oh, mum, these people don't really like me. I'll never forget he came home from his sex ed talk and he said to me, he, he was traumatised in his own words and um, took him for a milkshake and I went, you know, he's like, oh, mum, they explained the sexualities to me. And this is where my hope for this generation comes from, okay? He goes... Gays love, like, boys is love boys and lesbians is girls who love girls. And he's like, me, mum, I reckon I'm a biosexual because I just love everyone. And I was oh. like, you know what? I hope you never change, kiddo. But this is the hope that we have, Luke. No, so you're so I, right. No, you I think are, Buffy's going to be just fine. Brooke, you are so right because our kids don't see things that way unless we put that upon no. them. And seriously, yeah. my That's kids are right. the same way, girl. Like, they love everybody. Yeah. They you know, like, as Jeffrey said, he helped raise my kids, you know, they and they've been in school with, you know, same sex parents, they've, my kids will come home and be like, you know, this person was mean to this person, it just wasn't right. And they, yeah, they, how are my, you know my what I mean? kids they like, just see it. Oh, like, they they're like, it. oh, is that gay? They're like confused. And I'm like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me? I was married with a dude. You had to dance when you came. What the fuck? But, but, and they're like, but you know what, Jeffrey? What, why can't that be their normal? Why can't right, but that I, I think, like, they, they, like, even though they knew there was me and Joe, you know what oh, I mean? I like, Jay's they trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't get it. They're like, "What's gay?" You know what I mean. They don't understand it anymore because they don't so used care. To leave me alone. Well, no, because they're like, "Well, no." Like the one day they were like, "Ew, gay, ew, gay," and I'm like, "Whoa, oh uh -uh, boy, no, 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 no." I was like, "Hello." They were like, "Oh, they weren't connecting the dots." I've seen my son go at an adult where they've like given a a gay couple a look on the street, and he actually looked at this man and. What is your problem? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, you're great, but don't do that to an adult. They'll probably slap you. Had he? I'm black glitter. I will always be black glitter. And anyone who doesn't see me as black glitter, again, can fuck off. It's easy. <laughs> Bonds. You can you can tweak and choose how you want your rep reputation. You know that um, like society and people, um, uh, just general people are very. Um, what's the word for it? Um, they're very moldable. Like. Um, I created a rumor about myself and people tell, tell it to me all the time. Um, best tits in central Queensland. I, I gave myself that title. Um, when I was I'm posting 19. that video on TikTok, by the way, Bubs, about the best well, tits in Sydney. Well, I was about 19 and I just kept telling people that. And it's the truth because I was the only girl living and working permanently in the industry in the region at the time. So um, that's what I told people. And now I've got a hashtag for it and um, people yell it out in the streets when I'm walking past. So do you know what I mean? 
my reputation like that has become somewhat of my identity and my boobs have created identity to go with them themselves you know they've got a mind of their own some days but um but you know but you've got to take it all together and make it something special if you want to enjoy your life and we've all got to say too bonnie they are fucking amazing tits um, and i love that lamp in your room okay i just i gotta say oh shit okay kelly quick go kelly how's your reputation impacted oh like on your identity so- such amazing ways. So the one thing I didn't say about me is that I'm the one who's going to say the things that no one else will say. So I would say I am blessed in a leadership role in many areas of my life where other people don't feel confident saying the thing that everyone wants to say, the elephant in the room. I'm going to call it out. You know, um, maybe it's the Libra in me, scales of justice, but I will call out things when I see them. And I'm, I'm so happy to be known as that person. I don't care if it makes other people uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it, and that's all right. I know that's right, bitch. And Katie, how do um, you feel? I wish people about yourself like, and about how people look at you. I mean, I wish people wouldn't make the snap judgment that you know, oh, because she's got you know mental illness, she's crazy. But at this point in my life, people that know me know me, and people that don't know me don't need to know me. Yep, that's their first their first uh response to me is that you're crazy then i guess you can just go i'll see you later Alrighty, kids well that's the end of the show i would love us all to do like something real crazy now just to take us out i don't I know mean, what I we can do show you my cat climbing through my sink that's not fixed i guess no i think maybe we should just <laughs> all shake our tits let's do <laughs> all right bang 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 but no, thank you so much, everyone. Everyone shared a lot today. I think it was a great show, and that this one will be one that's viewed a lot. And yeah, thank you so much. Like you've all given yourselves. Thank you. Today. Luke.